0: I do a lot of casting and I get a lot of auditions and it, it really would amaze you how many people for that audition did exactly what you did. And, and I'll listen to so many and I'll go, yep, 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 yep. And then that one person comes across and I go, Ooh, that's interesting.
1: That's Dave Leffel, voiceover casting director, 26 year veteran audio engineer, ADR supervisor for NBC's Chicago Fire and Chicago PD voiceover demo producer, and has voiced commercials for McDonald's, Sears, Ford, Budweiser, Coca-Cola, and the list goes on. He's currently teaching beginning voiceover classes at the Acting Studio Chicago. Hey everyone, so this uh, episode is a bit of an interesting one, and here's what I did. Um, I'm just going to read you the email that I sent Dave before we had this call. Uh, Attached is a mock audition I recorded today. I had someone find a commercial on YouTube and then copy the script and send it to me with the description, friendly, knowledgeable, sure of himself. That's what they wrote. I recorded the audition the way I would have if it were a real one. I had not yet heard the actual commercial, which is also attached. Feel free to rip me a new one. Don't hold anything back. So the idea was is that uh, I wanted to get uh, an honest critique of my ability to audition for voiceover, but to also follow direction. Now, this proved to be a little bit of a problem. Um, there was a little bit of a problem with the experiment because the person who wrote the description uh, was someone who was listening to the uh, the end product, the actual commercial, and then writing what they thought they heard. But this person is not a copywriter; it's, they're not a voice actor. And Dave talks a little bit about this in the call uh, that. The friendly part was probably not a great description. But still, I think this will be very valuable for everyone to listen to. I know is extremely valuable for me. So what I'm going to do is, uh, before the call starts, you're going to hear my version, and then you're going to hear the actual commercial version, which uh, they I didn't know this at the time until I actually heard it, uh, but the uh, they used a celebrity. They used um, Jason Bateman. So before we get started, I just want to say that if you... Like this podcast, do me a big favor, go on iTunes and give me a rating or review. And this podcast has two sponsors. The first one is Audible. I love Audible. I have been listening to audiobooks for my entire adult life. If you go to audibletrial.com actionpodcast action podcast, I'll put that link in the description of this podcast. If you click on that, you can download a free audiobook when you sign up for a free 30-day trial. Um, two books I really recommend. Uta Hagen's respect for acting, one of the best and most respected acting books of all time, without question. And uh, Ron Morasco's notes to an actor. He is the uh, coach that was on the first nine episodes of this podcast. Brilliant guy, brilliant teacher, and uh, wrote a brilliant book. Um, the other sponsor is the Five Minute Journal. I am super thrilled to have these people as a sponsor. I. Um, was recommended uh, purchasing the 5-Minute Journal uh, by a good friend of mine. And so I, I did that. And what it is is a journal that you write in at the beginning and end of every day. And it takes a couple of minutes. It asks you a series of questions that you answer every day. And I have felt in the two or three months that I've been, that I've been practicing uh, writing in this journal, I have felt a tremendous and marked difference in the quality of my life. And I sent it to a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, bought one and just sent it to him in the mail. And uh, he reports the same sort of uh, feeling, the same sort of transformation. So I highly recommend it. It's only like 22 or 23 bucks. I will put the the link to where you can buy that in the description as well. Without further ado, here is my mock audition as well as the actual commercial and the first part of this two-part episode with Dave Leffel. This is the Andersons' new Honda Accord LX. Compared to the Ford Fusion, in the first five years it could save them $1,500 in gas, about $900 in maintenance and repairs, and end up costing them a total of $3,500 less to own, according to Edmunds.com. No wonder the Accord is the best-selling midsize car in America. Start something special now with the Accord. Visit your local Honda dealer today. This is the Andersons' new Honda Accord LX. Compared to a Ford Fusion, in the first five years, it could save them fifteen hundred dollars in gas, about nine hundred dollars in maintenance and repairs, and end up costing them a total of thirty five hundred less to own, according to Edmunds.com. No wonder the Accord is the best selling midsize car in America. Start something special now with the Accord. Visit your local Honda dealer today.
0: Well, I took a listen to your audition, and when I at a first listen. Um... I thought it was great. I mean, it, it it sounded like a nice, strong, friendly announcer. And then I took a listen to the commercial with whoever they cast, and he um, was a little more understated. So if the direction was friendly, knowledgeable, sure of himself, I could see the guy they cast as being sure of himself, but he wasn't playing friendly at all. You know, he was very understated, and it was like, this is the, this is the Henderson's new Honda Accord. And he was just giving it a very matter-of-fact read and just kind of uh, a little more observational storyteller. You know, when I hear stuff like that, it's like one of two things happens for actors. Either the guy who read it, you know, his audition was friendly and knowledgeable. And then when they get him in the booth and they actually have cast him and they have him there, they modify. You know, now they got the person on the spot and they can modify direction and they can understated a little bit more they can try a few things they can say well the the client wanted to downplay it a little bit we really like your audition you sound like a friendly knowledgeable guy but you know the client wants us to downplay it a little bit so let's start moving in that direction most of the time in 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 the years that I've been an engineer most of the time I find that it's kind of 50-50 a lot of clients say hey we loved what you did in your audition let's just do that again and the other half of them say hey we loved what you did in your audition, but, you know, we've made some changes to the script. It's going to play a little differently. Or our client didn't like that everybody was so over-the-top friendly. We're going to downplay it a little bit. So, I mean, sure, they they kick a script out there that has a certain type of direction and a certain type of feel. And then once it's cast, you know, they can change it a little bit. I've, I've heard so much work that I've auditioned for, Go to Air, and I'm like, that's not what they said that's not what the audition said at all, you know? So how did they get there from where that audition was? So my commentary for your personal audition was that, you know, being that the note was friendly, knowledgeable, and sure of himself, I got that, but what I was missing was kind of the performance of yourself. There's some classic writings in there. You know, they're talking about – this is the Henderson's new Honda Accord. And then later they move to things like that's why the Accord is the number one selling, you know, car and it gets very announcery, even even in the style that it's written in is very announcery. So the challenge for actors is that how do you deliver copy that's written in a very announcery style in your conversational tone? Because if you start off friendly, hey, and then all of a sudden, you're just keeping your voice up here. That's why it's the number one car in America. All of a sudden, we're going into announcer land, and we just slipped away from your personal accountability. Now you're not being you. You're turning it on to a little more of an announcer. So when I compared the two reads, um, the guy who was cast versus, versus your audition, number one, he's lower key, but he's moving like conversationally fast. This is the Henderson's new Honda Accord versus what your audition was, this is the new this is the Henderson's New Honda Accord. And already from the beginning, yes, because the direction was friendly and knowledgeable, you're kind of elevated a little bit, but you're slower. So when you slow down, this is the Henderson's New Honda Accord. You're already kind of leaning in toward the announcer land. Whereas when we're conversational we're just talking to our friends and we're kind of motor mouthing a little bit, we're not concentrating on the volume of our voice. We're not thinking about how loud we need to project, how good the capture on the microphone needs to be. So for most actors at home doing auditions, they're going to be concentrating on that. They're going to be looking at the capture. They're going to be making sure their voice is being recorded well. And it kind of takes them out of the game already. They're they're already putting themselves into a stronger voice. They're already putting themselves, in, you know, watching a meter, making sure the capture is good. And they're kind of taking themselves out of the ability to freeform it and just stand in the room and talk. So, I mean, first and foremost, my advice is don't listen. Don't listen to what you're recording. I mean, listen to it enough to make sure that the capture is good. Listen to it enough to make sure that the volume's good. But take off the headphones and stand there in the room and just talk a little bit for a second. Uh, I've used tricks with people like, uh, uh, what would you do today? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I had a kind of mild day at the office. Where would you go for lunch? I went out, um, went over to Weber Grill. What would you get over there? Uh, I don't know. I got a steak uh, um, and a salad. Okay, good. Now can you get on the microphone and just do that? Okay, I had a steak and a salad. This is the Henderson's new Honda Accord. And just start talking as yourself so that you're not already in some kind of projection tone in some kind of targeted space and this very focused read give yourself the ability to just talk through it so that you're not you know already honing in on a read uh, and it's very difficult for a lot of people it's really you know it it's it's one of the art forms of auditioning is trying something that you think it's like, oh, that doesn't sound like a strong voice. That doesn't sound like I'm really putting on a, a, a good voice for this thing. And and that and the guy who won it, he did nothing with it. He didn't right. put on a voice of any kind. He's just standing there. This is the Henderson's new thing. That's why that's why more people are switching to the Honda Accord. And it's so mundane and it's so mellow that I can see the appeal to it. I can see why they did something like that. Unfortunately for them, it's very much a copy and a ripoff of the old MasterCard spots, you know, the priceless stuff that's mm-hmm. been around for years. And, um, you know, that guy just has a very matter-of-fact read. So I think it's interesting when people downplay stuff or understate things. And, and the sad part of it is there are there are people out there who think that's friendly. There are people out there that think that's regular guy. And that, that that's a direction that they would give. But as an actor as soon as we see friendly, you know, we're like, okay, I got to turn it on. I got to get it upbeat. I got to use a little more volume. I got to project it out and have fun. And friendly and fun are, are two radically different things. So when we make something more pronounced and we make it more, uh, in your face, it's not necessarily friendly. It's already Hmm. leaning towards a, it's already leaning towards a amplified elevated tone that is much more surreal, um, and and not the normal every day. What I really love about these kind of spots is that the, the people that win them seem like the most untainted actors ever. You know, they, they probably couldn't announce, you know, something in an announcer tone if they wanted to. They're actually comfortable behind a microphone. They sound comfortable behind a microphone, maybe um, out of ignorance. <laughs> we always mm-hmm. say ignorance is bliss, you know, and sometimes people don't even know what they're doing is good they're just doing what, you know, they think is appropriate. But for actors, you know, actors are always looking for that for that essence of direction and how do I elevate this thing? And the the sad truth is, sometimes you just don't need to. You don't need to elevate it at all. You just need to simplify it and make simple statements and tell me a simple story. And, you know, we've moved into a world where people are recording themselves at home. They have the luxury, luxury of doing playbacks for themselves. You know, when I started in this business, I'd go to my agent's office and I'd do an audition and I'd get two blocks away and I'd start kicking myself because I realized all the things that I wasn't seeing in that script or all the things I could have done. Well, now you're at home. It really literally is a luxury to hear yourself back, to listen to what you did, to to take a, a couple minutes of consideration, maybe you know what? Let me let me try it a little uh, uh, low key. Let me let me pull that back a little bit and do a second or a third take on it, and then compare them. and And I do that all the time now. I'll do a I'll do something that says, "Oh, it needs to be a uh, uh, standard announcer." Well, what the hell does that mean? A standard announcer? You know, I hear announcers of every single kind. So, what is their standard, and what's my standard? So now I've got to do it a couple different ways, listen to my key, uh, playbacks, and then go, okay, you know what, that's more representative of me. That's, you know, read number one is more representative of me and my natural tone. Read number two, I was getting a little unnatural. So you know what, I, I think I'm just going to lean toward the natural. I, I I bet that my competition is trying to be natural, and the guy that gets this is going to have some personality and some zing to his voice. I better lean toward my first read, just because I know it's more inherently me. So I have the benefit of doing that. I may as well try things a couple different ways. I hand it out, you know, um, in my voiceover class, in the second class that I do of an eight-week course. I hand out a form called uh, "Points of Reference" for people, and it goes all the way from, you know, why you would be speaking in an understated or an intimate tone or, or, or softer downplayed voice all the way up to why would you do something in a monster truckish uh over the top Sunday, Sunday, Sunday kind of read. Tonight at the Coliseum, you know, something really big. And of course that was about half of as big as I usually get. But um I give people these reference points on a list so that they can think about volume play and they can think about, you know, different placement of the voice because we all have that default place in our voice and what we think is comfortable for us. And when we really start to explore, we can come up with some really refined reads. We can come up with those understated flat reads that maybe we hadn't you know, taken a shot with or explored with and went, hey, you know what? That actually sounded pretty good too. And analyzing yourself and learning to analyze yourself and know when your read is really natural versus, say, kitschy or fun or um really strong you know when somebody says they want a strong voice big male uh 45 to 60 strong voice uh, a little bit like chevy trucks god help the voice actor that hasn't experienced that they really need to know what that means whether it's by listening to some old chevy truck spots or anything like that so they know that chevy silverado they know where to go and maybe some darker tones in their voice or things like that but it really is about having that back pocket of volume play and speed play and you know i i believe we talked about some of this in the in the first uh, uh talk that i had with you it, it's really you know about some self-exploration but when it comes down to the guy they actually hired and then getting him in the booth and manipulating him that next step there's really not anything you can do to have changed that i mean it's unfortunately that uh the, the evil of the voiceover business that that seems to be true is that the audition isn't always king. Because when when they have you there, now you're the gun for hire. Now they're paying you. Now they're going to make you jump through their hoops and, and see what you can do. And they might just come across something that's like, you know what, Bob said that in the last meeting. He said we should downplay it. You know what, let's try one that way. And then it's like, holy shit, I think Bob was right. You know, and and they come up with a read that they're going to ultimately go forward with to the client. And, you know, we live in a world where people protect their own ass. Uh, can I say that? Uh, protect, totally, yeah. protect themselves, and, you know, there are more and more creatives getting two reads. They'll get the lively, any energetic read, and they'll get the, the downplayed read. So not only are they covering their own, but now the voice actors are doing more work. Uh, they're presenting, you know, options. And, uh, you know, we don't get paid for that. You know, we don't get paid to give options, mm-hmm. but, but they are, uh, hiring you for the hour to record whatever, you know, and it's still the same words unless they're suddenly giving you uh you know, a 15 second version of the script or something that they're supposed to pay you for. That's written differently. Um, they can have you read the same 35 different ways, however mm-hmm. much they want, you know, and, and get some reads down to present to the client just because they say, well, we, we like this option, but so-and-so likes this option. So we're going to present both. And and you never know what happens. I it, It's the strangest thing and the most exhilarating is being part of bringing a spot to life, whether it's through the music and somebody just really got a great composer to do an amazing track, or whether it's through the visuals or being part of that audio and sound design that really sells a piece. So, you know, an actor being flexible and be able to, you know, I've, I've, I've done auditions that I've won where I'm walking across the street listening on my iPhone, and we live in that world too. I can listen on my iPhone to the audition that I sent, and and I'm walking across the street doing it. And I got that in my head. And I walk into a room, and they tell me, "Oh yeah, we changed some stuff. Now you're not going to be doing that. You're going to be doing this." And it's uh, it's it's kind of shocking at first. So it's like, "Oh crap! I just walked over here listening to that. Now that's in my head. I got to get that out of my head fast. I have to release myself from that read because they just told me I'm doing something different. Which means right. I, I'm already jumping through hoops. And I was walking, you know, several blocks, you know, just." getting that ingrained in my mind and it's like oh that was a waste of my time yeah it's the same thing with uh like on camera acting where they, they always tell you to uh when you memorize your lines don't get too attached you're supposed to memorize them just straight and not get too attached to a certain way of doing it because right. you right. go in the room and the director goes yeah that was good but now completely change it and i guess i think i'm i'm good at i don't think i do this but i think uh, a lot of actors they just get stuck and they can't they can't they they learned it that way so they can't break out of it or it's well, very I, hard to do. But well, that's what I'm saying, you know, releasing yourself from something, <laughs> uh number one is you gotta get the other thing out of your head, but number two is that if you haven't explored some of those other options, you're you're gonna have a tough time getting there. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of actors, a lot of actors, um, people get hired for those one or two things. And, you know, they're always worried about being pigeonholed by a director or somebody like that. But they pigeonhole themselves because they say, oh, you know what? I always get hired for this kind of thing. Um, I'm just going to stick with it. It seems to be what people like. It seems to be what really connects for people about me. So I'll just keep doing that. And for me, it's one of the most boring things in the world because, you know, if an actor comes in and I saw him two months ago for a different client, and then they win the, you know, a new job, and they're with client B, and they start doing exactly what they did for client A, I'm kind of upset. I'm like, uh, I heard this the last time this person was in, and that was a different client. Can you yeah. give us an example, Dave, of what that would sound like? Like if somebody came in and did a subway spot, and then they came
1: in and did uh, one for Pepsi two months later, but they sounded the same?
0: Well, I... It's it's harder to do with commercials than it is to do with something like narration where people are storytellers, or they're doing uh, a lengthier material. So if somebody comes in and they they're an amazing narrator, they got a strong voice, they can carry however many pages we give them five, ten, whatever it is they're gonna they're gonna be able to lock into that constant narrator and tell me that you know that big story. So they do that for a client, like a financial client or a medical client. And everything's great. And everything is fantastic. And we love that strong voice. We love that strong narrator. He's wonderful. And then client B has something that's a little more, I don't know, toughest thing for people seems to be heartwarming. So let's say uh, the opening of the piece is, you know, it starts, you know, in that person's classic tone. And then they say, okay, well, in section two of the video – um, we're going to a city where all the kids are poor, and um, we just need you to change the tone a little bit. In this section, it's a little more uh, heartfelt. And then that announcer goes, "Holy crap! I uh, I do I do like one narrator. I do a narrator where I narrate in a big strong voice. And now, what do you mean? What do you mean? Section two is different. So now they got to do section two in in a heartwarming voice. And they go, "Okay, that's great. Now now in section three, um, it's Boys and Girls Clubs, and it's really upbeat and peppy. We're seeing all the kids, and they're, they're having a, they they had this new event, and now you need to tell me a story about the Boys and Girls Clubs event. You know, you're usually narrating for, if you're not narrating for a product, you're narrating for an organization, or you're narrating for a, a large conglomerate of some kind, um, and they don't only have one vision of themselves. They don't only do, you know, a commercial, yeah, 30 seconds. You know, you only have one vision to give of that little mini story you saw. Whether it's cheeky and fun, or whether it's serious and about, you know, osteoporosis drugs, or whether it's about, you know, fun and flirty for hair care, narrating is a beast because your story modifies as you tell me the story. There's only certain types of narration that really lock into one one type of delivery, and that's either historical, which we you know, you can watch History Channel all day and see somebody stay in some kind of historical tone, and on a Nature Channel where you see somebody stay in a kind of soft, hushed voice. This is the <laughs> Allagash Pygmy, and, they, <laughs> and and you're you're observing it. You're you're watching one of those. That, that's completely made up. Obviously, I'm a doofus and I just make stuff up. But there's 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 specific times where narrators lock into a tone. But as you're telling a, a story about a company or things that we've done or, you know, we've accomplished a lot in 2014. And then you get into the story and you tell what you did. You have to kind of connect to the story and your voice has to modify within that story. And I think that, you know, there's a lot, a tremendous amount of narrators and announcers that just get locked into that one tone and they love what they do. And they love the sound of their own voice. And yes, people bought it, but they forget that there's a life within a read and that the story changes and that they need to be flexible and that, you know, if it's a bright section, you got to brighten it up. And if it's warm section, you warm it down. And if it's, if it's a dramatic section where, you know, somebody was injured or hurt, you've got to lean toward the dramatic, you know, we call it voice acting for a reason, but it amazes me how many people get hired and they take it as you know, this is my most hireable voice. And they forget about the acting part of it, you know. And I think that in in this particular case of your audition, had you remembered the acting part of it and not concentrated on that wonderful capture and that voiceover and announcer part of it, you would have come up with a better read because you would have been a little truer to you. You would have been a little more conversational, and it's the kind of thing, had they heard that conversationality in you, they might have said to themselves, oh, we can dial that back a little bit. You know, he, he's really conversational. He's really, you know, he seems like just a nice guy. Like I said, you know, when we're left to our own devices, sitting in a room in our house, and we're looking at that recorder, and we're looking at that microphone level, and we're concentrating on doing the best that we can do with our equipment, you know, and making sure that that captures there – We really forget about acting and we forget about, you know, giving a performance. And I think that, you know, you got to you got to know your equipment well. You got to know your mic levels. You got to know how to set that stuff up. But, you know, once it's set up, walk away, (laughs) go go get some water, (laughs) go to the bathroom, do something else just so you're not sitting there like, okay, I got the levels ready to go. I got everything good. Uh, And now record and you're launching into script and like you're you're in a funky zone already. You're in this like controlled space instead of uh, uh allowing yourself to freeform and just kind of roll with it. So I just, you know, it's a it's a good and bad thing that people are left to their own devices at home. Me, I find myself recording way more takes than I would have ever recorded before. Um, just because I have that luxury. I call it a luxury because, you know, listening to playbacks and listening to what we've done is a blessing um, because I think that you have an opportunity to dial it around a little bit before you send it in. So that's just my thing. But I, I really I really do believe, I, you know, I do a lot of casting and I get a lot of auditions, and it, it really would amaze you how many people for that audition did exactly what you did. And, and I'll listen to so many, and I'll go, yep, 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 yep. And then that one person comes across, and I go, ooh, that's interesting. And then I go through, yep, 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 yep. And I go, ooh, <laughs> well, I didn't love what they did, but at least, you know, they, they they did their own take on it. You know, they did something a little bit different. And those things start to stand out. And if they stand huh. out to me, if they stand out to me, they're going to stand out to anybody who listens Right. So, you know, uh, one of the things I do in my class is a mock audition. You know, we're doing eight weeks of a course where everybody's always reading a different script. But that one night when everybody reads the same script, it's, you know, it's interesting. You know, everybody reads it the same way, but everybody does have that slightly different timbre to their voice. Some people sound wiser. Some people sound just way younger. Some people sound um, bland. With it. And some people sound like an amazing storyteller. And you get that when you listen to things back to back. And you got to, at some point, you got to just say to yourself, what am I? What did I just do? Did I really do that? Did I do what that says? Because what did I really do there? And um if you do enough auditioning, you get to the point where you start to become fairly honest with yourself and you can say, fuck you know that wasn't it (laughs) that was not it or or feeling really good about your auditions because you say you know what i feel really good about that i feel like i took some time with that i feel like i gave it my best and you know what i feel like that's a good read i could hear that on the air and uh i'm really happy when i do an audition like that and i walk away and i go there's no reason i shouldn't get that and then i get the job you know, I've had those things happen. Uh, I just had I just had one happen. I did one of those videos we were just talking about, a little narration for a business pitch. And they said, oh, we love this audition because this, this, and this, and that's why we hired you. And I started thinking to myself, I thought that exact same thing when mm-hmm. I did the audition.
1: Yeah, I remember great saying, validation.
0: Yeah, I remember saying that to myself, you know, and I was like, you know what, I, thought, I remember feeling really good about that audition. You know, that kind of confidence and that kind of, positivity that you're you're keying in you're doing something good I say if you don't feel like you've keyed in and you don't feel like it's good don't send it (laughs) do two more reads you know listen to what you didn't like about that one take a second maybe explore a little bit maybe go "Uh, it doesn't sound conversational or "Uh, sounds like I'm highlighting everything or you know I think I could downplay some of that stuff not everything has to be big now, what's really funny about that is, you know, I spend a lot of time teaching people how to be big, how to how to have their voice cut, how to have their voice be pronounced in a, a competitive situation like where you're competing with the music and your voice needs to be a good capture and be a good voice of strength and make sure that it's going to cut over music. And if you're reading like this, and yeah, it might not make it over the top of music. Um, hopefully the engineer can do something with it. But there's still something to be said in the long run that the performance, performance, performance comes first. You know, if we all had an engineer at our house, (laughs) I think that would be the greatest thing in the world. Because when you go do jobs, you've got an engineer there. Somebody else is working the knobs, and all you have to do is focus on your performance But in this crazy, funky world we live in where everybody's got different equipment, everybody's got a different mic, and everybody's got a different room at home that they record in, and everybody's really left to their own little world, something falls by the wayside. And you've got to put yourself in a headspace where you're pretty sure that nothing is going to fall by the wayside, where you've made yourself comfortable, where you're not rushing the audition, you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate. I've had, uh, days where my agent has sent me six or seven auditions in a day and I've had to do them all at the same time and I've sent them and I've gotten done. And I'm like, four of those sounded like exactly like the same thing. I don't feel like I, because I did them back to back to back, I don't feel like I took the moment to give any more than two of those, you know, my deserved attention. And, um, it sucks. I'm like god, you know, I I love them and I hate them. I love the fact that they sent me that much, but I hate the fact that I had to do them all in that, you know, half hour time I had or something. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, it's it's a it's a tall call. And and to, you know, have some downtime or a moment between them and to make sure that I'm really uh, giving that deserved attention because you know, we all do what we all do, we only talk a certain way and nuance is is nuance, and if you're not taking the time, to nuance each thing you know I, I I told you in our last conversation, give something special to each and every job, and make sure that you're giving it to it and give it that attention. If there's a storyboard, look at it, make sure you know what's happening in the commercial. If there's a reference spot that they said, "Hey, we want to like this. More and more people are sending that YouTube link to some movie or to some narrator or to some story that they want you to listen to briefly and absorb and try and give them something like it. You know, you they're asking for your time. They're asking you for you to take that moment. They're creating something very specific. And your job is to take that moment to identify with their story and identify with what you interpret as what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And the gift of your ability to interpret is the gift that wins you jobs.
1: Dave Leffel's beginning voiceover class is Wednesday evenings at the Acting Studio Chicago. His class always sells out, so sign up quickly at actingstudiochicago.com. I'm Lee Foster. Thanks for listening.